hello once again. You are listening to the Inspired Minds Podcast. My name is Jeff Watson. I am indeed your gracious and your grateful host. I got that down. Been doing this for a while, about a year now, a little over, come to think of it, a little over a year. Met some incredible people, my goodness, all via courtesy of my dear friend, Mr. Michael Lee Simpson, producer of this little shindig and writer in his own right. Hey, look what I did there. Um, yeah, I'm having so much fun doing this kind of stuff. Um, I am a therapist. Look at that. A hundred percent true. I got my associate's license, which is, uh, kind of on the path to becoming licensed, but I'm still doing therapy. It's just now I have an actual thing from California saying that I am indeed a therapist. What a crazy ride this has been, ladies and gentlemen, for me to be here, uh, talking to you as said therapist. That being said, I still love doing these kinds of things. I don't think I'm ever going to stop unless Michael stops feeding me these people for some reason. And this next person was uh, the lovely and talented Miss Chelsea Pang. Chelsea is a senior editor over uh, at this little thing called The Strategist at the little thing called The New York Magazine. The New York Magazine. <laughs> I sound like I have no idea what I'm talking about, which is essentially true, but it is New York Magazine. Also the assistant editor at Marie Claire as a fashion editor of branded content at Refinery29. And what a great conversation this was, as usual. But this one was kind of fun for me because I haven't done anybody in the fashion world. And I am not a fashion guy, necessarily. Um, I kind of like t-shirts. However, my late wife was a big fashion lady, and I got to learn about that world. And my goodness, just an incredible, incredible insight uh, conversation that we had into that world. She's also a, well, she's a former co concert pianist. She did three Carnegie Hall appearances. Like my favorite, like the old joke, I didn't get to Carnegie Hall. Practice. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I'm that guy. Um, but we had, we had so much, she used to be a volunteer at the Metropolitan Music, uh, Metropolitan Museum of Art, MoMA, out in New York. And she was like 15 years old doing this. We talked a lot about art and uh, got into Balzac, for goodness sakes. Um, again, I love these kind of conversations because they really do go everywhere. And what a charming person this was. So with that being said, uh, I think that's kind of it. I'm really looking forward to you to hearing this. And as always, I hope that you enjoy this as much as I did making it. What a hoot. That should be the slogan for this show. It took me a year to figure that out, I guess. Inspired Minds. It's a hoot. <laughs> Bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Inspired Minds audience, you dazzled throng, please give a lovely, warm welcome to Chelsea Peng. Chelsea, please say hello to the dazzled throng. Oh, hi, dazzled throng. I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> You're dazzled. I yeah. always, always, Chelsea, like to ask the following question for every single interviewer that I do, and that is the following question. When you were young... What was the first thing that you can remember that truly inspired you? What lit you up? Was it a, a song or a book or a movie, piece of art? Go. Oh, goodness. Um, I think it might actually have to be a Gauguin exhibit at um, the Cleveland Museum of Art. I remember going there with my parents and just seeing kind of the explosion of colors and just like, I mean, I'd been to loads of museums before and like, you know, lots of lucky enough to travel um, to, to see some, you know, world-class museums with this for some reason. 
just really spoke to me. And also just the story of like, you know, <laughs> it hasn't aged the best, of course. So, you know, this white man going to, to, you know, some, some islands and, you know, having some Columbusing moments, but I mean, just the art itself though, like it was incredible to me, just kind of like the flatness of it as well. And then like, uh, combined with just the color and even now, I mean, with a lot of things I do, um, and have done in fashion, like I feel like color is a through line. Um, but yeah, I think that was, that was the thing. Um, I can't really remember how old I was. I think it was grade school, but I ended up doing a project on it and it was very exciting for me. My teachers were excited about it. Um, and I think that's probably why I ended up doing a bit of art in university as well. But yeah, that's, that's the guy I think. Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head because usually my follow-up question is, how did that get you to where you are now? And I always say yeah. the through line. I'm, honestly, I'm glad you said the word through line because that's exactly where I'm trying to head with this thing, right? Because it really does create a North Star. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, whether it's color or like, you know, journalism color where you're trying to like kind of uh, – paint and like describe a feeling with words instead of you know uh you know paint or you know another medium um I think that's also kind of something that um you know especially now um I'm trying to trying to do um as an editor journalism color I've never heard that term you just make that up no, I mean, you know, because, you know, when you like um, when I've been edited, it's like, oh, can we get more color on this? Or like, can we get more like descriptive here? Stuff like that, where it's kind of just like I think a lot of my job right now as well is like, you know, asking those questions and being like, how can we make this more vibrant or make this more uh, real for a reader? You know, when it's on, you know, black and white Web page, um, just like getting really specific. I think that's what the color is for me. I love the idea of writing as painting. Yeah. Um, I think as well, um, an element of that that's kind of also similar is like, you know, with editing, it's like refusal or taking stuff away. And I think with painting, it is possibly similar as well. I mean, I don't really have like a, you know, fine arts background. I'm more of an art history person, but I think that kind of similarity of, you know, refusal and like taking away is really elegant in a way. Um, but first you have to have, you know, all the, all the information, I think with, um, journalism in particular before you can, you know, kind of like cut things down. Do you actually paint yourself? I don't, I mean, I weirdly don't find myself to be artistic in the sense of like drawing or painting, but, um, you know, I have a lot of artists around me, um, even ones on staff, you know, right now at, um, work. Um, but I think the language is really similar, like you pointed out earlier. Yeah, writing is painting. I never thought of it that way. That's why I love doing the show. Yeah. I get to talk to you yeah, more smart. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. You know, you mentioned actually a second ago about going to different art museums. Can you kind of give me a, like around the world? Give me some examples of where you've been. I'm fascinated by that. I mean, um, just like a lots, lots. I mean, as a as a child. Um, did kind of like a funny grand tour of Europe because um, I was, uh, you know, doing a lot of piano at the time. So just as a child going to, it was truly so many countries. I can't even remember. It was probably more than, definitely more than 10, but just like, you know, all the major ones, um, probably at an age where I was maybe too young to fully appreciate them. 
um, but yeah, I mean, uh, also through university going to lots as well. Um, I went to school in Chicago and I really do love the art Institute. I think that's a really great one. Um, there was, uh, um, yeah, just like, I think that was also one of uh, like the most early experiences of being really moved by, by art. Um, so yeah. And just like going there frequently, I also used to volunteer at the Met, um, on weekends as like a, like, um, like a customer service person, um, because, uh, that was the only job I could do without being a full-time employee. But it was just funny. Cause I remember being sat next to, or across from uh, a Solowit mural, um, for hours, every, every other Saturday. And it was just also just really nice being there and interacting with all the guests at the museum. Yeah. You were there from 2015 to 17, right? Yeah, and it was funny because it was really intense. It was uh, I remember the, the interview process being loads more uh, intensive than like you know any other real job I've had. So it was quite funny, and I mean I do feel really lucky to have gotten to do that. Yeah, you know, and I get to get my art nerd out right now, which I really haven't done in these sixty fucking episodes I've done on the show so far. So. <laughs> Super excited about that. I will say this, actually. I've been to two amazing museums in my life. Well, actually, I take it back. Mm-hmm. I've, I've actually been to the Met. I've been to Chicago. I mean, you know, I'm that guy, too. Um, yeah. I, went to, I went to go to, in Amsterdam, I went to the uh, the Van, Van Gogh, I think you pronounce it. I don't even know. Oh, yeah. uh, I went to go see his, you know, see the museum, and that was mind-blowing. They're like, oh, there's sunflowers. That's amazing. Um but honestly, the best, I just remember this, quite frankly, one of the, probably the best experience I ever had in a museum was of all places in Phnom Penh in Cambodia. Um, oh, no way. Yeah, I was out there a couple of weeks. Um, I was uh, actually, I, I was, it was a great experience in my life. I was working at an orphanage um, out in the jungles of Phnom Penh across the, the Mekong. And it was this little place in, in Phnom Penh, kind of tucked away. And it was folk art, right? Just local folk mm-hmm. art. And there's nothing more that I love than folk art because they're doing it because they have to, right? Right. There's, yeah. There's that. Point. I know this about artists, and and there there's that idea that you become almost possessed by creation, and you have to get it out, right? Yeah. And that's what mm-hmm. I love about folk art because folk art really has no expectation, in a sense. You know, there's no expectation of reciprocity. You're just putting this thing out. You don't know if it's going to sell or not. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the the point of motivation is uh, very, very interesting. It was was very, very holy place just to be in that in that tiny museum. I mean, it it was it was was obviously very, very small and in Phnom Penh, but um, absolutely gorgeous stuff. What kind of. Now I really get to get dorky on this art thing. God, I'm so glad to talk to you. I get to finally do this kind of shit. Um, what, Thanks, yeah. what kind of era, what kind of, um, I guess modality isn't the right word. It's a therapy word. But what kind of um, art movement maybe? Is that kind of the right word? What, what do you like really? Oh, man. Yeah, that's <laughs> – oh, this is so funny that this is definitely not the direction I expected this to go. But uh... – um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of, um, contemporary art is super interesting, but also, um, I mean, I really love, um, kind of just like, um, oh goodness, I can't remember, um, JMW Turner, 
who makes, um, there was like a, there's a very small section in the Met, but I used to go there after my shift and just look at, um, that little corner because he makes fire look like water and just like the expressiveness of that. And like, kind of just, um, you know, how, I mean, I think technically he's like part of, um, the romanticism movement, but just, yeah, like kind of just the emotion you feel. And, um, even on such a small surface, it really gets across. Um, and I just remember that was like, that was a slide I saw in some deck, you know, in school and being able to see those in person, um, like on a weekly basis was super, super cool. Okay. Now I'm going to pivot to, uh, yeah. sorry, I didn't mean to bombard you with the art, art talk one-on-one here, but. Oh, no worries. Yeah, no, this is funny that you, yeah, I like, I like a unexpected turn. I'm that guy. Like if I could, ever, if I could afford a Rauschenberg, I would. <laughs> oh yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. So, but here's, here, here's the pivot, maybe here's the connection. So, you know, you had mentioned mm-hmm. a second ago about how you can uh, take things out and put things in and back and forth. Yeah. So this is a question I actually ask all my interviews too, as well. It's usually at the end, but we'll do it now. And that is, okay. and there, there's a corollary, obviously, into journalism, like you were talking about. And it's the same thing for both fields. When do you know that you're done? Make sense? Oh, yeah, that's, I, th- I mean, daily, daily question. Um, it is so easy to just, you know, keep tweezering like you're, you know, at like some sort of foam restaurant and just like keep tweezering. Um, but I don't know. I think it's really just a, a feeling I have to say. And also just editing in general and knowing, um, it's just so personal because you could take the same copy and give it to, you know, so many different people and it would turn out differently every time. So I think it's just a very, um, you know, momentary thing where it's a sense. I really, yeah, I really don't think, well, beyond like, you know, if you read it and you don't have any questions left, that's a really strong indicator that you're, you're getting there. But beyond that, once everything's in there, it becomes a matter of taste. And then at the end, it's just, you know, when your intuition tells you you're done, I think. Yeah, there. Actually, I stole that question actually from a movie about Jackson Pollock with um, Ed Harris uh, called Pollock. Great movie. And somebody asked him that. They said, "When do you know you're done painting?" And he says, "How do you know when you're done making love?" I stole that line, and then I asked Neil Young that question. <laughs> I say this all the time. Well, what did he say? Sorry. What did he say? If I get a really good, what did he say? If I get a good answer, Neil Young, when I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> That's. <laughs> <laughs> very definitive yeah fair enough mr young um right and i'm just honestly i'm fascinated by that question be, be it art be it journalism i mean it's all the same thing that's all art anyway in my opinion and it's about really ultimately about knowing when to release mm-hmm. very right? true to yeah to, to be to know I, i'm done this is the end of it whatever's going to happen as a result is going to happen as a result mm-hmm. yeah i enjoy that kind of uh that kind of uh, Buddhist sort of philosophy a little bit. Yeah, I think you're right. And also, I mean, it's, uh, I think also a sense of, well, for some people, it's also um, has something to do with restraint, I think. And um, there's like a really good essay by Dave Hickey. It's actually about art criticism. Um, 
So that kind of brings us back a little bit. Um, but it's saying how George Washington embodies American cool. And I reference it all the time because I think whether it's in work or I think honestly, I don't know if this is a wrong reading of it, but I apply it to like personal interpersonal reaction uh, uh, relations as well. Um, where by showing restraint that equates to like by by saying no by saying that I'm not going to do something when I totally could and like you know it would feel really good to, to do something um by saying no um, and like you know holding holding yourself um it's it's like it's cool it's like American cool American cool yeah it's a really good essay I, I, I really like that one I think that all the time send it to me when we're done yeah absolutely I'm serious, yeah. So let's go into yeah. some of your into your journalism world. I, you know, I know that you know you were at Refinery Twenty Nine, which is great. I love mm-hmm. what they did. Um, and then Marie Claire, and now you're the senior editor over at uh, the Strategist at New York Magazine. Can you yeah, tell me slash the listeners what how you got there and that whole world? Yeah, um, yeah. I think due to media and movies. I was part of that class of young women who saw some, you know, fashion industry movies um, and were taken in. But I, I blame them partially because before that I truly had loved fashion magazines and like I read all of them cover to cover, including the, um, you know, the, the back where they do all the product information and like where to buy everything, just those like lines as well. Um, so yeah, I think I'd always wanted to do that. So um, when I was in university, I um, had arranged an internship um, at a uh, now defunct fashion website um, and met someone there who was a colleague who ended up at Marie Claire. And um, I went to journalism school. We had a requirement to do an internship uh, in journalism to graduate. So I reached out because none of the sites offered were um, fashion magazines. So I arranged that through my former colleague. Um, I interned there. I graduated early. Um, and I ended up being hired, um, at Marie Claire. Um, yeah, I was there for, for a bit and then, um, took a bit of a gap year, went to refinery, um, to do branded content and then was also there for a few years and, um, got this job about almost exactly a year ago. So, um, I've been at New York magazine. Yeah. For a year now. If I, if you could see it, I, and if I had a hat, I'd be tipping it to you right now. Congratulations. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks so much. I, I will say this too, you know, my, um, excuse me, uh, my, uh, wife, she was a massive, uh, fashion, uh, I, or not icon, but she was a massive fashion fan, I guess. And, um, yeah. she got me reading all those, all those magazines. Yeah. And, <laughs> I, I got I got really into it and I can understand some of the fascination. Can you tell me a little bit about what drew you to fashion per se? Yeah. Um yeah, it's always just a hard question to describe, but I just think or to answer. Um I mean, right now, I mean before this, I was like clicking through the Dries, you know, runway photos. I think just like having a set schedule on which to be creative is really interesting and sounds very difficult. So anyone who can subscribe to that cycle, I really respect 
And I think, you know, even just giving them a few minutes of uh, clicking scrolling time is really um, the least I can do. Um, but yeah, I think just the just the ideas and seeing kind of like we were talking about earlier, the motifs that emerge every season or just um, new ideas. I think honestly, like looking through things, all I want is to see something new, like something that is like a cool idea or a new way of wearing something or a new way of um, like a new shape. I'm always looking for a new shape or new ways to put colors together. I think it's just the newness, not necessarily in terms of, you know, the like fast fashion kind of like massive consumption newness where we want just like new things all the time. It's new ideas that interest me. You know, I got to ask you this because this has been baffling me for the last, I don't know, 30 years, 35 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fast fashion. Now, the only thing I know about that is it's the, uh, in French, it's Depeche Mode because I'm a nerd and I like Depeche mm -hmm. Mode. Yeah. What the nice. hell does fast fashion mean? Yeah, it's just kind of the, well, now it's almost instantaneous where brands uh, will look at what's come down the runway and then immediately be able to copy it or, you know, some watered down version of it. Um, it's, you know, it's so funny. It's become a meme where it's like, this is what I ordered and this is what I got. And it'll be some really shoddy, uh, you know, kind of like barely alien version of the original. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty well known that fast fashion, uh, in its practices of, you know, how these clothes are made and what they're used and who makes them, um, it's known to be pretty awful for the planet and people who are involved. And also I think just as well, the psychological element of it, where, you know, it's promoting an idea of like, you can have, you can have like, you know, quote unquote, this designer thing from yesterday um, and you wear it for like a minute and then it's disposable, which is definitely not, you know, what I try to try to promote. Sure. You know, you mentioned mm -hmm. actually uh, a second ago, you were watching uh, as a kid watching fashion movies and I actually did some research on some fashion films and yeah, I'm curious so for me personally, I think, and I'm curious to see where this goes with this. I'm, I'm also a film nerd. So mm -hmm. for me, I think the best movie about fashion, and I'm curious to see where this goes, is Phantom Thread, the mm -hmm. recent Daniel Day-Lewis movie with Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. I think that really, yeah, gets into like the couture mindset. And I think, I mean, it's quite funny because uh, the ending, you know, I think it's up for a lot of debate. Uh, also, it's like... I don't know. I mean, is it really that great if you need someone, if you're like so into your work and so uh, out of it in all other aspects of your life that you need someone? I don't, I mean, can I spoil the ending? Is that okay? Yeah, I understand. <laughs> yeah. So, like to like have someone who period, who's like scheduled to like, kind of like, you know, take you out of the, basically like your, you know, your physical worlds basically like by drugging you to to like kind of relieve that pressure I, I mean obviously unhealthy but also like you know I think it's pretty common amongst people who operate really you know in really high pressure situations exactly like kind of like we were talking about with like the fashion cycle where they're you know they're really mandated to have to like come up with new things every so often like every season it's understandable but uh I mean, so I think in that sense, it does kind of capture a lot of um, the 
that bit of the fashion fashion world. There was also, and I'll just do one more, and then I want to hear some of yours. There was another one that I uh, my wife got me into a while ago, um, which was Vivian Westwood. There was a documentary on her. Mm-hmm. Just, just I was like, oh my god, this lady's she's a punk, she's an icon, brilliant <laughs> woman. I, I, yeah, totally. Yeah, like, what what are your thoughts on her at all? That's such a long career, and also just like being able because also this isn't really a you know an industry where longevity is uh you know super valued unless you can be like a legendary house or you know like iconic gets thrown around far too much but you know that level of um name recognition um but yeah i think you know in a lot of ways her work has always been very true to herself and also very recognizable which is very hard to do like you know if you see the shape of the corset she does, you can tell immediately it's a Vivian Westwood. So something like that is really special. Um, yeah, and you know, just she, she's like she seems like a cool lady. <laughs> really, yeah, absolutely. Sorry. So I'm sorry. What were some of the films that you watched when you were a kid that kind of inspired you there? Oh goodness. Um, it's funny because, yeah, I feel like I'm, oh, oh my goodness. There was this very niche um, Chopin uh, film. I think it's called like uh, A Song to Remember. Very cheesy, but it was about Chopin and um, George Sand and uh, kind of like their very rocky last days of their relationship. But I remember that one because I think the costuming in that was amazing and maybe a bit too young to watch that but I think just like the tumultuousness of um I think they were in Mallorca and it was like horrid and rainy but I think I I like have this fascination with them and just like you know having these two very uh talented and notable figures um but like reduced not reduced but like you know getting into this like very interpersonal relationship level uh you know like lens um yeah just like that one I think stood out to me um for the costuming as well as the story but um I definitely also had you know like every like every other kid uh like an Audrey Hepburn phase but I loved um funny phase because that's probably I mean that's a very that's like literally about the fashion world and like photographers um but I remember the the little sequence with like the rainbow colored doors that really I really liked that that was that was fun and also just like the photo shoot montage where um you know she's got like she switches into so many different looks um that was like you know as a as a young kid so that's like the dream I have to say also that, you know, I, I noticed that you had uh, written some stuff uh, with the assistant files over at Marie Claire, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And that. Oh, Adam, yeah, strategist, yeah. Oh, strategist, sorry. And I no I was an assistant myself. And then that reminds me of Devil Wars Prada, which is what the connection may be here. But I was, mm-hmm. every time I, I was reading so many of those things last, uh, last week doing my research, and I, it was like a sense memory of terror. <laughs> For me, oh no, it was so because I was in the music business, right? And I don't think it's so much like that anymore. I've been out for a while, like I mentioned earlier, but it was you know, it was no holds barred. You know, there was certainly no HR to speak of, they were all doing drugs anyway, themselves, most likely. (laughs) Um, Actually, get this fun fact at my old company, 
our HR person, I've never told the story actually, our HR person was actually having an affair with somebody that worked at the, at the office. Oh my goodness. <laughs> like, it was, you know, oh, I, that's I so chair, messy. I had a chair thrown at me. I had a Coca Cola bottle. I hit my head once. <laughs> it was oh, just no. awful. Oh, goodness. But, yeah. I guess the question I have for you is really is how much if how much of that kind of lingers in the fashion industry or does it still do? Um, I mean, I've been kind of out of fashion fashion for a while now, but I think, you know, when I was really in it, I think again, like, you know, definitely maybe not maybe not to the level of what you just described, but I think there definitely still is um, a lack of boundaries in terms of, you know, how assistants relate to their bosses. And, um, you know, I had friends who were assistants to notable editors and yeah, it's like that, that scene, like you said, in the double wars Prada, where she's out with her dad having dinner and she's getting her flow, her phone, like blown up with texts and stuff. Um, that definitely seemed to, seems to still be a thing, like a lack of boundaries, which, you know, which is kind of funny given, now we're in the era of like quiet quitting. Mm-hmm. So just, uh, I think it still lingers though. I, I, I don't really, I mean, it's really difficult because, you know, assistants are, you know, most of them are starting out. They're really quite young as well. So, you know, I think maybe movements like quiet quitting and just like, you know, having more access to the knowledge that like, you know, this isn't okay. This is something like I need to advocate for, is good. Um, but I mean, even in trying to find people for assistant files, I'm, I still see a lot of people who maybe have, um, mindsets that are kind of, I don't know if backward is the right word, but just kind of like, not, not the best in terms of their own, like advocating for themselves, because I've had assistants who, when I reach out to them and I tell them this is an anonymous series, like no, identifying details will be included, will still, for some reason, go to a former boss and ask them for permission to be in the story, which I find very, very interesting uh, and kind of like, you know, an unusual move. But um, yeah, so I don't I don't really know if that's like a self-driven thing where there's just like, you know, there's some sort of fear uh, involved or it's just like they've been, you know, kind of like, uh, I, you know, there's some sort of like conditioning. Uh, uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. There's some sort of like, you know, like mental, you know, game going on where they're like, they feel like they have to do this. Hostage is the word that I would use. That's yeah, it's very Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. It's Stockholm syndrome where they're like, Oh, you know, I don't even work for you anymore, but I'm going to go ask you anyway, if it's okay. Yeah. This is, that's just complete. Yeah. Although I must say this, actually, the man that uh, threw a chair at me actually came back to me about 10 years ago or five years ago and asked me if I wanted to help him manage some band. And I gladly told him no. <laughs> Did he apologize for Not, throwing a chair at you? Didn't even remember. How about that? Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Because that was called yeah, very... Monday. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, and speaking yeah. of music, so... Um, I see that you've done a lot of writing about music. In fact, there was a great uh, article that you had done about the sexiest uh, um, music videos that I thought was lovely. And just just a tiny little anecdote, the fact that you wrote about Tattoo, which, ladies and gentlemen of the audience, was a Russian 
quasi-lesbian, maybe, band. That was kind of the thing, I guess. And it was not great. But the fact <laughs> that you called out Tattoo, I, I, like, I got I to gotta talk about this one. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to mention it. <laughs> that was, that's so funny. Uh, that's funny that you mentioned it. I love the, the research. Um, goodness, that was ages ago. I really what? don't remember. <laughs> I really can't recall doing that. You've been doing that story. Yeah, this was like back in the days of the internet where it was just everybody was trying to ride that BuzzFeed train uh, and like doing everything SEO possible yep. to kind of like even have a chance at ranking. But I think, I mean, it's all just so funny when you think about like young young people just sat there at a computer uh a lot of times with no idea about what they're doing, but trying their hardest to to do the reporting and just looking around, which in you know in itself is something, yeah. But yeah, that's really really funny. I can't, I really can't recall. That's okay. together. And just the fact, I mean, I didn't recall tattoo until you, until you mentioned it for God's <laughs> sakes. But actually, you bring up a really interesting point because of the whole SEO list yeah. thing, right? The whole BuzzFeed. Yeah. Is that kind of waning? It sounds like it was for what you said. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think it's really passe at this point because, you know, so many Google algorithm changes where they, you know, would penalize you for doing stuff like that or would, you know, they, because now I think they're focusing on quote unquote like real content made by real people. Mm. So they don't, they want like, you know, experts, they want, um, I mean, this is all like, you know, what, what seems to be happening because it's quite mysterious, but, um, yeah, they just want like, they, they're prioritizing content that's not like that. It's more like written through, it's more like, it's got more sources in it. Um, and it is, yeah, that's just funny because it seems, um, you know, it's like, do they dictate it or does something else dictate what counts as like good content these days? Um, it's all, it's all very, very, yeah, interesting and kind of like shrouded in mystery. I, I'm so glad to hear that, that, that whole list SEO bullshit is starting to kind of fade because yeah. it's, you know, it's obviously it's empty calories. You know what they're doing. <laughs> they get the ranking, you know? Yeah. It, it really doesn't, yeah, it's, it appeals, it, it appeals to the brain also too, just coming from a psychology point of view, clearly that you get these little bite-sized things, right? You're not reading, right. you're not reading about Balzac for God's sake. She was reading about, you know, <laughs> top, top 10, uh, you know, fill in the blank, you know, t- top 10 Brad Pitt yeah, movies, exactly. top 10 songs by the Red Chili Peppers. Like, you know, you don't really yeah. care about that, obviously. Right. It's also kind of concerning just given um, in terms of attention span, because everything is so fast on the internet and also social media it's just um maybe it's a good thing that google's prioritizing actual writing and articles and facts but at the same time it's like when you go on instagram everything's real these days everything is so fast and so condensed like i kind of when i'm sat there sometimes just doom scrolling like (laughs) it just it'll be like what is even happening i'm not like absorbing anything um, I'll be looking at so many things, just like, you know, whatever catches my eye and it's just, it's not a good feeling. It's just like, it's, uh, it feels fast and it's not like, you know, life is already so fast on the outside, having another very quick thing where 
you aren't actively thinking or actively being present is is not good in my opinion. No, and I think that's uh, a very intelligent thing to say because, you know, our brains, and I'm talking about our collective brain here in America, at least, and perhaps over the world, well, at least the first worlds, we're being wired, right? Like this is all neuroplasticity stuff. We're being wired for inattention. Absolutely. The more you do a behavior, then the brain kind of carves a canyon, essentially, that just says, it's amazing, actually, because what happens is just a quick little thing I love, this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. is that the neurons, like the brain's basically super lazy because it wants to conserve energy, right? So yeah. <laughs> the neurons, this is fascinating, the neurons, when you when you do something, right? And so then, you know, there's a little activity going on between the neurons, the communication. If you do it again, the neurons actually go, oh, that guy did it again. I bet he's going to do it again, too, so they get closer together just to save energy, mm-hmm. right? So right. The, Closer and closer, and then that kind of creates this sort of carving of a canyon, like the Grand Canyon did with water, and it becomes easier yeah. and easier to do the behavior, i.e., a habit, and it becomes harder and harder to right. break said habit, and that's where you habitually yeah. get into this pattern of inattentive ADHD world. Yeah, oof. yeah, that is that is deeply concerning to me, especially you know when. It does, it, the time comes to actually focus and it's, you know, it seems like it would be, of course, if you're, con, you know, repeating these behaviors, increasingly difficult to kind of turn that off. And when you need to, I mean, obviously people perform better when they are calm and, you know, it's kind of like a more slow, deliberate pace versus that, you know, just nonstop, like auto, autopilot scrolling mode but i feel like you know unless you have some sort of way to balance that out which a lot of people i mean i feel like don't it's it seems like it's just you know perpetual it is and uh i I tell you what i'm gonna dovetail into something a little more fun because (laughs) (laughs) dark um so obviously you're a music nerd of some sort and and that is my forte Tell me how music inspires or how you can write. Tell me how music works within your writing, within your fashion world. How does it influence you? Um, that is, yeah. I mean, fashion and music have always been really intertwined. And I think, you know, one of the earliest ways that, um, you know, I saw that was, you know, in the way that you have super producers like, you know, Michel Gobert doing the soundtracks for shows. And even now I love like looking up a show soundtrack afterward. And sometimes you can even find them really easily, um, you know, on streaming platforms, which is really nice of them. Um, yeah, you can, you can find them. Like, I think there was like a Sandy, Sandy Lang uh, soundtrack that was released uh, like right after her show, um, her most recent show. Um, nice. That was a really good one because she always has really good ones. Um, but um, yeah, and also just like musicians, amazing style. Um, I think a lot of references, of course, you know, go back to, you know, there's always that perpetual, perpetual like Bowie reference and like, you know, stuff like that. Um, I just think. Yeah, like, you know, and also just even as something as a, like, as not small, but like, you know, an up and coming artist, having a look, like a very um, memorable look, just the power of that to elevate 
they're kind of standing in, you know, amongst artists is super interesting to me, like having, you know, knowing stylists and, you know, talking to them about how they might make that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, you know, pulling, pulling like a really cool look and like, even if they're like not headlining a festival or something, but they still got an appearance can, can do, can do a lot. And it's just like, it really shows you what um, fashion or style can do. Did you just say Bowie? Bowie? David Bowie? Yeah. Yeah. Oh sorry. I said that. Yeah. That's exactly like a, what I was, I was literally going to say. Just exactly. Yeah. Him. He is the, yeah. he's like the Ur icon, right? Like he's like this, the cornerstone. Yeah. He is the Jamestown of the entire thing. You know? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like forever, forever. Every mood board, he's on there. Um, yeah. Unstoppable. Uh, have you seen the movie, by the way, the documentary that just came out? No, I've not. How is it? Oh, it's unbelievable. It is not a talking head yeah. movie, which I appreciated. It's it's just right. his voice. It's incredibly stylized, but not over the top. It's I mean, it's mm-hmm. him. It's perfect. Yeah. I mean, the world went to hell. Very cool, yeah. Here's my – honestly, I fervently believe – this is my philosophical view of the world. Everything went to shit when he died. That was it. There's a connection there, I think. Yeah. <laughs> COVID. Trump. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. It's some. There's definitely a theory out there that you know <laughs> connects everything. We we lost a hero, ladies and gentlemen. Um. So then, here's another question, maybe real quick. What kind of music yeah. inspires you? What do you What do you like? All kinds, genre. Oh goodness, yeah. I um. It's funny because now that I'm not working as much in an office, like, you know, kind of when you're amongst your colleagues, you kind of do the the headphone thing and then you're like really like deep in, in music to kind of just like be able to, again, like be out of the, the cycle of like nonstop. I have to be doing something like right now, even if it's not the task I'm meant to be focusing on. Yeah. So I would listen to like a lot of uh, UK grime. <laughs> I would listen to a lot of like, like Stormzy, which is actually really good. And also like, you know, if you're having like a shit day and you put some like, you know, Stormzy on, it gets a lot better. And also like, you know, in some previous roles, I dealt a lot with um, a lot of uh, people who maybe didn't understand um, a lot of things. So yeah, just having that kind of like uh, self, um, like it's definitely very motivational, I would say in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love, uh, I'm really excited for the, for the new Phoenix record. Oh, wow. Um, I saw them at Radio City, uh, a few, a few weeks ago. Um, and yeah, they're, they're probably one of my favorite bands of all time. I think just that's so, uh, it's so special, like what they're, what they've done and how long they've been in the business without, without ever kind of like, I mean, they've had commercial success, of course, because, you know, if you've literally got like a car commercial, that's pretty, pretty big. (laughs) But like at the same time, I think they've still managed to kind of like, I, I, it's like, I feel like it's very French to have that kind of just like some simple kind of like melody, very driven, like, but at the same time, it's like that nostalgic indie, like early aughts thing um that's kind of like i think really timeless in a lot of ways and of course it's driven by nostalgia so i think it's you know for a certain certain crowd as well but i just love everything they do like i i'm really excited for the new record 
you know, while I was just talking, or while we were just talking now, I was trying to find, there's this, there's a song, I haven't forgot about this. There's a song that Phoenix did, and it was a Christmas song, like 10 years ago. I gotta find it. Oh, was it from like, a, was it from, for one of like Sofia Coppola's films, I think? Might have been. There was like, I think so, I think, yeah, I know the one, yeah. What's it called? <laughs> oh, man, I can, I can picture the, the record, I can picture the album art, let me see. I think oh, it's like, got Bill Murray on it, right? Yeah, Sorry. it's um Alone on Christmas Day. That's, Found it. That's it. I gotta go yeah. listen to that. One. I'll listen to it yeah. on Christmas because it's a great song. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Okay, thank you so much for so okay, so here's how I like to end these things. You ready? Uh-huh. Here we go. Right. It's gonna involve a little acting. You ready? Okay. Here we go. Okay. Get, ready. get your get your game face on. Go method. <laughs> go method here. Um yeah, I'm yeah. going to pretend to say goodbye. You're going to pretend to say goodbye. I'm going to pretend to hang up, and we'll do a quick post-chat. Deal? Okay. I love it. On the ball. Here we go. Um, God, seriously, Chelsea, thank you so much. I get to get my art nerd out today. I don't do that. That's not my thing, but I love doing it. I got to talk about fucking Van Van. Is it Van Gogh or Van Gogh? I think the second one, but like English people say Van Gogh, like it's, it's very, you know, it's, I think, I think he's, you know, he's famous enough that you can, you can say whatever, honestly. I'm going to say just Van and I'll just go from there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Thank you. And now I got to go listen to this Phoenix song. So God bless you. Your turn. Talk about how amazing I am and then we'll hang up. Yeah, no, it was so much fun speaking with you, Jeff. Um, it was really great talking about, I think we talked about a lot, American Cool, um jmw turner fashion phoenix had everything thanks so much for having me <laughs> talk about how amazing i am i'm a jackass all right i'm gonna pretend okay. to hang up uno dos tres click